Hello, explorers of the darkness, and welcome to Video Games, the movie, the podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Maxie. And this month, we are talking about Alone in the Dark 2005, our first Uwe Ball film, and picked very serendipitously. Uh... I guess let's see. Uh you uh any th- how are things you this month for you this month? Well, in a week I'm going to be seeing my girlfriend who's visiting from across the country, so that's kind of all that I'm thinking about Hell until yeah. that happens. Mhm. Uh let's see. Um today I got both a COVID booster shot and a uh flu shot one in each arm uh it's like it's it's like dual wielding uh let's see uh i stayed home for thanksgiving though i did visit my mom the day before uh yeah that otherwise not too eventful um so uh oh also have you been playing any games lately? Uh played inscription. Oh yeah. People were talking a lot about that. Yeah, I watched someone play that uh the other night. Uh it's got some interesting ideas. Uh I- Yeah, I wish it like explored them all the way. Yeah. It's the art stuff I just feel is a little unnecessary, like like I know Pony Island had that, but like that was all in game, and like mm-hmm. I think you had to, to- had to take like multiple playthroughs to get everything. But even then, that was just uh, hey, your guy used to be a crusader in the Crusades. Yeah, uh, I-, I think the big thing is I don't have anything against a short game, mm-hmm. but I do think you need to give yourself the amount of time you need to explore everything you got going on, and I think mm. it just ends too soon. It needed more time hmm. to, like, get into shit, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what else do I... That said, the first act, incredibly cool. Right, right. Uh, uh, let's see, what have I been playing? Uh, well, uh, I got re-inducted into the Final Fantasy XIV cult. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, I finished A Realm Reborn. I actually, when I originally played it, I wasted my free trial just doing crafting stuff. Uh, it's, as it turns out, Final Fantasy XIV is a good video game. Uh, what else? Oh, I played Unpacking. That's really good. That's a really good game. Uh, yeah, I've been hearing a little bit about it. Yeah, it's very short. It's like four hours. You can beat it in one session. Uh, like, when I decided to take a break and resume playing, I found out that where I had dropped off was, in fact, the end of the game. Uh, it's nice. Uh, I think it's really, it's a really fun idea to do environmental storytelling by unpacking and uh, your, like, moving, moving boxes. Uh, mm-hmm. hmm. What else have I been playing? 
I yeah that that's all I want to mention right now. Uh, but yeah, uh, games are good. Uh, so let's, I guess let's talk about uh some background stuff for this movie. Uh, I believe this is Uwe Boll's second video game film. Uh, his first being House of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uwe Boll has seems to be a very crass guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He makes films that are... He is very famous for making games based on video games that are not very good. Uh, yeah. Th- there are sort of two things that I'd say a lot of people know about Uwe Boll. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is that there is a rumor that he makes the movies bad on purpose due to a like loophole in the German tax code. I do not know if this is true. I think he might just be shit. Hmm. Um, he might just be but shit. But it does raise the question of where he's getting investment money. Maybe he's earnest and the investors aren't. Maybe the whole thing is just rumors and he either has yeah. you know a solid source of independent funding or is really good at schmoozing whatever mm-hmm. i can't speak to that but that is the rumor that has been going around for many years now right and uh, the other thing is i think in the either late 2000s early 2010s he started challenging his critics to boxing matches yes uh i from what i can tell this was in 2006 uh some people took him up, uh, not everyone did. He turned one person down because, uh, they were, they actually were a professional boxer and he couldn't just beat them up. Uh, mm-hmm. well, amateur boxer. But one of but the- But trained, you know. Yeah. Uh, these were like public events. Uh, they, they were aired on goldenpalace.com. Uh, and, the first and most famous fight of them was between himself and Richard Lotex Kayenka. May he rest in piss. Uh, uh, he, Lotex got his ass kicked. Uh, other people were challenged. It seems he tried to only go after, like, people who he thought he could win in a fight. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the core of it. Uh, he still makes movies, though not as often, and there hasn't been one based on a video game in, since 2014, uh, at least as, as well as I can tell. Uh, these other films, however, do seem to be, like, action films and horror films, so still doing that stuff. Um, two other things I want to note. This is actually, this movie is actually based on a 2001, uh, uh game of uh of the series alone in the dark and uh also uh york tittle is an associate producer on this film uh if you don't know who that is uh he famously played the role of yorg in illbleed uh wait for real yeah that that's him I I looked at the credits and I was like, "What the fuck? Why is he a holy shit?" 
Um, it all ties together. You know, a, a game about B-movies, a B-movie about games. Mm-hmm. I guess it, you know, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, that's everything I want to note. <laughs> let's, let's get into this movie. Uh, so, we open with, hang on, I gotta find it. Yes, here we go. Uh, there is a very fast and very quickly narrated text scroll about a lost native civilization called the Abkhani. Uh, apparently this was narrated by Uwe Boll, which is... Huh. I mean, it makes sense, because it's not... Done by a professional voice actor. Mm-mm. Uh, it, I took a note. This narrator sounds like Rod Serling after eating a bunch of mini marshmallows. <laughs> is what I have in my notes here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also a really weird intro because it just tells us a bunch of shit that the actual movie is going to tell us again. Mm-hmm. In a more natural way. Right. Uh, so putting it here just kind of kills any intrigue that could exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Yeah, the bulk... I guess in that case, maybe we should uh, explain things naturally over the course of the podcast then. Uh, let's see. So... Uh, we see a kid, he's in his pajamas, and he's running in the forest, trying to get away from authorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then see this man, who we later ner- learn is named, uh, Hud- Lionel Hudgens. Uh, mm-hmm. he is trying to strike a deal with a nun to get her to give him all the kids in the- her orphanage. Mm-hmm. Uh... He has already started on it, in fact. But one of the kids is missing, and it's that kid from before. Yeah. Uh, um, They go ahead with it regardless. Mm-hmm. He's basically planning to lie to the authorities and be like, yeah, I don't know where the kids went, which is a fantastic alibi. And, yeah. you know, if he genuinely doesn't know where one of the kids went, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just makes it more believable, really. Right. Uh, so, also, we, we get, like, one last shot of, like, the kid, oh, yeah, the nun goes through with it. She, she says she just doesn't know. Uh. Yeah. And the last shot is, like, before the scene ends, is, like, a kid, the kid hiding out in this, uh, I think it's some, it's, like, a power station or something? Transformer? One of those. Uh. And then we, uh, oh, we also get, like, a zoom in on an eye with, like, monsters in the reflection. Mm-hmm. And then a ma- the man wakes up. Uh, the man yes, who was a kid. It, we're, we're in the present day. We're seeing Edward Carnby, 2001 edition. Mm-hmm. You're just having a nightmare. This, 
He has this, like, completely insane conversation with a child next to him where the kid is like, my mom tells me there's nothing to be afraid of in the dark. And Carnby starts giving him, like, this noir monologue about how the dark hides horrible, terrible things. Like, he's Batman or some shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then... I I guess this is as as good a time as any to talk about my biggest problem with the film, Mm -hmm. which is the editing is atrocious. Yes. Like the, the, the script and the acting aren't great, but I think they could be serviceable. The problem is like the cinematography is fucked. The, and it does this thing where it keeps like going back and forth between scenes but they aren't like meaningfully juxtaposed in any way right so it just feels like it just feels like a scene is arbitrarily being split into two short less meaningful scenes and Mm -hmm. i mention this because like right after the airplane we get five seconds of present day lionel hudgens on a boat informing an agent of his that carnby has the artifact and must be intercepted and killed and then it's right back to Carnby. Mm-hmm. hmm And that's just how the whole fucking movie goes, it feels like. Yeah. I felt like the first the first twenty minutes or so especially feel fast paced. Mm-hmm. Uh the pacing is real weird in this. The pro- uh, you know, I'll also say, I think the first twenty minutes or so aren't that bad. And I yeah. think this is where my opinion is going to differ from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. This is not a good movie. I'm not going no, to no. say this is a good movie. But it has garnered a reputation as one of the worst movies of all time, and I don't think that's deserved. Oh, absolutely. I I think it, it's not a good movie, but I also don't think it's necessarily trying to be a good movie. Yeah. it's It's just very... It feels very low budget. It feels very silly. I think the reputation, it, it has as bad a reputation as it does because of its association with a video game. Um, yeah. And its association with a man who just seems like kind of a dick. Yeah. Yeah, he does seem like kind of a dick. Uh. So, uh, what happens? Uh, okay, so... What we get now is, like, a narration from Carnby where he's, like, getting on a cab and he's saying, Now, maybe you thought I was being a little weird with that kid. Well, you see, I was an orphan, and believe me, there's some scary shit out there. It's all real. Uh, He he uses the same line about protecting you from the things you don't believe in mm -hmm. twice. Yeah. And, like, that's just lazy. Come on. Yeah. Do an editing pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentions he has amnesia from when he was 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, he describes himself as the person who's here to protect you from the things you can't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to find, like, the mysteries of his past. Uh, he's yes. a paranormal investigator because of that. Uh, so he's on this taxi and he's with this very frat bro of the era taxi driver he looks like ed sheeran to me like he has he has that kind of like 
face shape and shitty beard. Right, right. Uh, and <laughs> he's like, "Hey, what you doing? I'm a paranormal investigator. For real? It's he. He's... I mean, it's a very real response. Yeah. If I heard somebody say that, I would be like, "Oh, I gotta know more about this guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Real shit." Uh. <laughs> So, uh, so Carnby notices they're being followed and, you know, mm-hmm. you, you get that standard, hey, try and lose the tail chase scene, mm-hmm. but I will concede that this part is really poorly executed. And again, I do think the biggest problem is the editing because for one thing, we keep getting shots of the cab driver's face instead of the cars mm-hmm. and it, they go way too long. Yeah. Um, but also the actual staging isn't great. Mostly they're just doing a couple sharp turns. Th- there's a fruit cart, but they don't like go through it. They just kind of graze it, mm-hmm. and that just feels like a wasted opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eventually Carnby like jumps out. Uh, I think they like crash into something or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, basically the other cab rams them, uh, crashes the car into a wall, uh, Carnby flees, and then we get a fight scene, which I think is choreographed okay, but the shot framing is so fucking weird, like, there's this one shot that sticks out to me where you're just, like, kind of seeing the sleeve and back of Carnby's jacket, and that's kind of it. And also, in both this and the chase scene, there are slow-mo shots pretty often, Mm -hmm. but they're not... They're not meaningful. They're not meaningful, and also, it doesn't get that much slower most of the time. Right. So at first I thought, I was like, is my my brain playing tricks on me? I had to, like, go back and be like, no, it's definitely, like, a little bit slower. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, but then, then the movie rules for a bit, mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. so the guy who was sent after Carnby, he manages to knock him to the ground, he takes the artifact from, the artifact from him, uh, and then as he's, like, standing up from over Carnby, uh, I keep man, I'm gonna be saying Carnby so much, and... <laughs> It's. I mean, it's his name. It just starts sounding silly to me. It's a weird that, name because it. It. I mean, like the original Alone in the Dark games, they they take place in the twenties. It's got mm-hmm. sort of like this uh, old timey pulp adventure feel, from what I understand. Uh, yeah, like Edward and then the, both of the reboots yeah. are very contemporary. Yes. Uh, so it it just feels really weird to keep naming him Edward Carnby in these. Um, yeah. Anyway, so so this guy is like crashed over Carnby, taking the artifact, and then as he's standing up, Edward Carnby does a flash kick from supine position, mm-hmm. knocking it out of his hands and grabbing it as it falls. Yeah. And that fucking owns. <laughs> There's uh then a little while after that, he's like shooting the guy pursuing him, and for some reason we just see the inside of the handgun as the bullet is being fired. It's so which good. Which feels... It's so good, but especially because 
the bullets don't actually do anything to this guy. Like, it just slows him down a little. Because mm-hmm. uh, he has a monster in him, as we will learn. Yeah. Um, It just feels like a a weird place to put a shot like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they get, like, this fight in an ice warehouse, which I think was genuinely... Maybe the high point of the movie. Right. And you don't want that to come, like, 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, yeah. but it is what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I do you know, think it kind of some... blew its load early with this whole scene. It, it really did. And here, here's the thing. We're going to get into it. This movie has Street Fighter disease. Mm-hmm. It, it is the exact same problem where it's like, oh, okay, you got, you got some cool, like, martial arts movie stuff going on. Almost like... Like, obviously not as good as a Jackie Chan movie, but, you know, there's, like, a little bit of comedy, there's some good spots, uh, and then, oh, you just want me to watch people, like, shooting stuff for the other 90 minutes mm-hmm. of the runtime, huh? Well, alright. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it, he eventually flips the pursuer onto a spike, and that kills him, instantly. Yeah. Uh, let's see, so... I think this is around where they, uh, after he, like, deals with this guy, uh, uh, we cut to, uh, this museum that's having mm-hmm. an Abkhani exhibit. Uh, yes. So, the Abkhani were a Native American civilization that, you know, died out or declined about 10,000 years ago. Apparently they were super technologically advanced and spread across both North and South America. Mm -hmm. Now, you might think that this would be tied to some kind of theme, but it's not. It's it's just a plot device and a pretty flimsy one at that. Right. Uh But it does introduce the second movie that this wants to be because mm-hmm. here's the thing this movie wants to be like five different things right right and it cannot commit to any of them and i think that after the editing is probably the biggest problem like it wants to be this sort of hard-boiled like light martial arts kind of flick but it also wants to be like an indiana jones thing but it also wants to be alien mm-hmm. it's weird yeah yeah it's it's really all over the place uh the so we've got this assistant curator aline cedric uh she like she's like talking with this the a security guard and like the male guy uh uh he he uh the security guard says hey uh you hey this'll you can like show this to your boyfriend or something like that. I don't remember, but she gets like mad at him and leaves. And the male guy explains to it. Well, no, the security guard says, man, I shouldn't have said that. Her boyfriend's been missing for three months. (laughs) Yeah. And we get, we get like this little exchange between the guard and the delivery guy Mm -hmm. that is supposed to be funny. And it's not. And this is another instance of them. Like, pre-explaining something that we would already understand based on what happens later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're back with Hudgens and his boat, and now they've hauled 
I'm unclear on whether the container or the contents is the Erebus, but they've hauled the Erebus up from a sunken shipwreck. Right. And I remember, like, I remember being like, oh, this sequence is kind of visually striking. Oh, it's over already. Yeah. Um, Carnby's walking down an alley. There's a bunch of weird, jerky camera movements and fucking stupidest growl dot wave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he goes to his apartment? I think he lives in a warehouse. He It definitely seems like he lives in a warehouse, but also his furniture is really nice, so I don't know like what he's doing here. He broke into a furniture warehouse, I guess. Uh... <laughs> you don't have to pay for a bed. You can just sleep on one that nobody's bought yet. Yeah, uh, uh, so, yeah, he's got this thing, uh, he gets, like, a, is this when he gets, like, the, uh, the voicemail from, like, yeah, yeah, his guy on the inside. Uh, Carnby, it's John, the nightmares have started again. Beep! Like, it, it, literally the dialogue, Mm -hmm. all I care, um... We also get to see what the artifact he has looks like. Yeah. Uh, he sort of removes it from this packaging, and it's a ring with a big piece of blue glass in the middle. It kind of looks like a tiny telescope with little glyphs carved into the side. Mm-hmm. This, by the way, is still being intercut with Hudgens on the boat. They're examining the container that has the Erebus in it, or the container that is the Erebus. Again, still not clear to me. Yeah. Uh, the captain of the boat is like, wow, is this solid gold? I bet its contents are even more valuable. Wink, wink. And then he just has his crew beat the shit out of Hudgens and throw him in the brig. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out the contents are something horrible. And that when he unseals them, there's a psychic pulse to Carnby and the other orphans. Yeah. Hey, by the way, hey, by the way, does any of this amount to anything? Because, uh, like, it... So, here's my understanding. Yeah. We eventually... I mean, we learn this in the opening crawl, but if not for that, we would eventually learn that Hudgens experimented on the orphans to, like, hybridize them with monsters or alien parasites or whatever... Uh, and turn them into, like, sleeper super soldiers for him. But he doesn't want the crew to unseal the crate. And when they do, something comes out that attacks them. I'm assuming one of the big monsters, the Xenos. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem like the parasite orphans... Like, yeah, I'm not sure why they... they... They still seem to obey Hudgens, if I understand correctly. Yeah, they... There's, he seems to have, like, some sort of control over all this. But it's not really clear. Like, and I get... Like, maybe there could be, like, a bit about him saying, Oh, of course I got the worst possible crew. Of course I wanted them to unseal it. But they, they don't say that. It just sort of happens. Uh yeah. Uh, it's it's really hard to get a feel on what exactly Hudgens' plan is or how well it's going at any given time. Yeah, yeah. 
It it just feels I, like they made him evil for a twist, and but it's not a twist because we already know from the yes, opening. Yes, exactly. Crawl. We already know he's evil, but it's so weird. Why did they put this crawl at the beginning? It was unnecessary. I I genuinely don't know because like usually when something like that happens, it's because somebody, the director or an executive, thinks that the audience isn't going to understand right. the movie but like right like I, a common it, thing when this movie <laughs> is not like losing sight of cause and effect it is pretty straightforward and easy to follow it is not subtle so i don't know why you would feel the need to clarify any of that especially since you've already got the fucking Carnby monologues here and there that can already be used to do that relatively organically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to say though, um, during the fucking like orphans entering zombie mode montage, there is a moment where a video clerk just leaves in the middle of his shift, and the people lined up at the counter just kind of like look at him going. Yeah, I and I think it's kind of cool that if. I like the idea of, like, the zombie... I like the scene where they're all just, like, leaving what they're doing and just walking away mysteriously. It's kind of freaky. Uh, yeah, it it, it it has a vibe to it mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of this movie does not. Right. Uh, um. So, you know, after the crew is massacred, Hudgens arms himself, he busts out of the brig. There's this shaky cam shot Mm -hmm. for some reason as he makes his way to the container and he opens up a secret panel that contains another abkhani artifact right uh are you ready to introduce our fourth fucking like plot oh right railway Mm -hmm. our 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 fourth running plot line which is bureau 713 because this movie also wants to be men in black i guess yeah bureau 713 is well first off i they seem to have a very low budget uh they've got a mission control they've got some foam uh chest pads and cool guns we'll learn about later uh yeah that's the only thing they put their budget in uh they're, like, investigating the disturbance. They're led by this guy named Burke. Uh, <laughs> Burke is... I'll get more into it later, but... I fuck. I'm kind of obsessed with Burke. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. I remember when I first saw Burke, I was like, Oh, great, another movie where, like, two of the main guys look basically the same. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because Burke and Edward Carnby are both white dude with light beard. Yeah. The difference is Carnby has a jacket and uh, Burke has a fake vest. Uh, a fake bulletproof vest. Um, So <laughs> they're, they're like investigating these like demon disturbances or whatever. Uh, and soon enough like they're like going we'll learn more later but like they're they're gonna go to the museum and try to investigate like the exhibit uh 
Let's see. Uh, Alice gets a phone call. I don't remember what it was about. Was it Carnby or Burke mm. or I don't remember. Mm-mm-mm. No. Um. Sorry, I had some water in my mouth. No. Um. No, the phone call she gets, I think, is from Hudgens. Uh, who's right. Like, Hudgens. Hey, did you open my package? And she's like, Yeah. I'm trying to decode it. And he's like, fuck you. No, don't decode it. That's not your job. Mm -hmm. The only important thing about this scene is that I fixated on a minor set detail, which is that uh, Cedric has either two small bottles of whiskey or normal-sized bottles of maple syrup on her desk (laughs) right next to her computer monitor. I didn't notice that, but now I'm very fascinated. Uh... What life is she leading, you know? I don't know which is more interesting. (laughs) She's... uh, Well, (laughs) anyways, uh... There's, like, another flashback scene. It's, like, very quick. It's very edited in a weird way. It's, like, it's meant to be, like, confusing, but... Like, apparently... Well, listen, they achieved that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's like little kid Carnby, he's back at the orphanage. He says, the others are back. Uh, and I guess the orphans got to go back home after they went missing. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, he gives some more, uh, I, oh yeah, uh, this, this woman calls Carnby and tells her her husband go, went missing. Uh, he's one of the other kids who went to the orphanage. Yep. Uh, then, I, this is, no, this is like, I'm, um, so. This is where Carnby, like, gives us exposition on an Abkhani myth about people joining forces with the darkness to gain incredible power. Mm -hmm. And this is the part where I, I think I was really starting to sour on the movie because, I feel like there's two ways you can go with a character like Carnby. He can either not know what's going on and find out over the course of the movie, which I think is the correct answer for, you know, monsters that don't cleanly map onto a well-known, like, classic horror monster. Or he can... Or he can straight up be a vampire hunter, and he's like, "Yes, I know, I know Xenos, I know fucking parasite super soldiers. Let's go. I'm geared up." Mm-hmm. In- instead, it's like he knows everything useless about them, but also he's going to have to be told how to fight them, and it it just doesn't really click. Right, right. For me. Uh, uh, I also don't get, like, he ends up calling a friend at Bureau 713 for help finding John, and we learn that he used to work there, and I don't think this gels either. Right. Like, Carnby just does not sell X-Fed to me. Right, right. Uh, but also, he doesn't really sell much yeah. besides Noir Archetype. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh... So, he meant, like, he gives more exposition, like, he was working for there to, like, investigate the Abkhani because he wanted to learn more about 
this weird thing that happened to him as a kid. Uh, but, like, as soon as he, like, got his hands on, like, an artifact, things would become, like, classified and he wouldn't be able to do anything anymore. It's, I'm not really sure how high up he was, because there's some stuff that implies he's high up, but, like, but also, like, he gets all the information classified and can't get the full story, so it's, I feel like they need to make it a little clearer. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, all of the other orphanage kids were missing, uh, he meets back up with Aline, and... Shows her, like, the artifact he has. She, like, slaps him in the face because she thought he was dead. Uh. He explains he was in the Amazon for six weeks. Uh, and got his little artifact from some, uh, ex-Chilean military guys on the black market. Uh. You know, I'm sure that's all fine. Yeah. Actually, here's something I'm thinking about. Like, the Indiana Jones movie aspect kind of fails because they don't really go anywhere. We get boat- Yeah, they just go to, like, an abandoned mine. Yeah, they go to boat, they go to mine, and they go to Vancouver, and that's it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so anyways, uh, uh, he, he asks- so Aline asks, hey, if you're trying to build a puzzle, put who put the pieces so far apart? It, it just, I don't know, it just feels like a dumb line. I don't like it. Uh, she, she's got to play more JRPGs. This yeah. is always how it works. Mm-hmm. It, uh, so. And then it turns the villain was tricking you into assembling the key to, like, mm-hmm. the hell dimension and you have to fight God. Right, exactly. Uh, so, let's see, uh, I feel like I'm missing something here. Okay. Did we discuss that Carnby and Cedric, that Carnby is Cedric's boyfriend? You know, they, they kinda are. They, he like meets up with them over, over a meal. Uh, uh, she, she does the whole, oh, I'm hugging you because I missed you, and now I'm going to hit you because you made me worried, and, Normally I'd be like, okay, that's a little cliche, but also this is the closest thing to a real character dynamic Yes, in this movie. It goes away immediately after this. Not a lot of people in this movie act like real people. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I think that goes hand-in-hand with the pacing and editing issues. Mm -hmm. This movie doesn't spend the time necessary yes, exactly to make us buy these people and it also doesn't give us action set pieces that are that exciting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it just ends up kind of sagging a bit because of that yeah uh you know the more I, the more i review this i think the more i'm sort of souring on this movie fair enough fair enough uh, uh I, I still think it's not one of the worst of all time because I've seen some dog shit movies. There are some dog shit. But yeah. It's it's not good. It's not good. It's I personally found it entertaining in the moment. Like I'll get I'll talk more about this when we get to like our ratings, but like mm-hmm. overall I think I think this is a good for like group watching with some friends one time. Uh I can see that. Uh so, uh, 
Oh yeah. So while they're in the museum and, and they are like doing computer stuff and, uh, the power goes out. Uh, wait, shit. I'm trying to remember. Does, does Burke show up during the daytime sections or does, is it later? I f- it's later. Right. He, he like, basically what happens is, so they're at the museum discussing the artifact and shit. Uh, but then there's some electrical issues at the museum and that leaves the security guard by himself in low light conditions. Mm -hmm. And we get more shots that are either three seconds too long or one second too short. Uh, I guess this is supposed to be a horror sequence, but it doesn't work because it's one. You don't really feel it's not. It's not scary or tense. It's not. It's not dark is part of the problem. Like, the lights are flickering, but you can still see stuff. Mm -hmm. And what it does use to build tension, I guess, is you see a flashlight passing over various Native American statues. Mm -hmm. The... This is where I get into something that I can't believe I'm saying for fucking Alone in the Dark. Um, But I have a world-building objection here, which is... The whole premise is based on the idea that the Abkhani were this, like, super spread out, like, almost Atlantis kind of civilization. But... I can't even tell if these are supposed to be Abkhani artifacts, because they just look like actual Native American First Nations artifacts from a variety of unrelated cultures. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not a thing where they got somebody to come in and like design what the Abkhani civilization might look like. Right. It's just a bunch of arbitrary signifiers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um You know, there, he gets to this point where it looks like an exhibit that has, like, medieval Chinese pottery and also Pacific Northwestern totem poles. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't seem like a well-organized museum. Yeah. I think they should spend more time on, like, getting their exhibit straight and less time on hauling magic flashlights up with boats or whatever the fuck. Right, right. Um... Anyway, eventually a knockoff xenomorph shows up and spears the security guard through the face. It it does not and, look very uh, good. So, well, okay. So here's another problem with this movie. And I, again, I I have to stress. I feel the need to stress because I am bagging on this movie. Not a good movie. Does not make it the worst movie I've ever seen. Absolutely not. But I think somewhat famously... Part of why the Xenomorph was scary is that for a lot of the runtime of Alien, you don't really get to see it. It is actually low lighting conditions, or you only see it in like the corner of the frame or whatever. So what isn't scary is seeing this CGI monster as long as fucking possible before we get a cut. Uh, and also throughout the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, let's see. Yeah, the it kills the security guard. Uh, 
so, uh, not long, so, yeah, next, like, uh, Carnby and Alicia run into his dead body, they realize there's a monster here, they, like, hide in a storage room, uh, Carnby, it, like, shoots at it through a broken window in the door, uh, and then we get, uh, XCOM, uh, we get... Mm-hmm. We get Bureau 713 showing up it, to, like, shoot these, to, like, hunt these, the monster down. They're not doing a, a great job for a while. Uh, uh, oh, yes, um, so Burke, this is where, uh, like, Carnby runs into Burke, and Burke fucking hates Carnby, but, like, not in a way that feels, like, intimidating. Yeah, he's just kind of a whiny baby man. He feels like he feels like he's a fucking bully in a kids cartoon, but an adult man. Uh <laughs> He's like giving him shit. He's like trying to like scare him with like his authority and stuff. Uh Carby like tries to attack him and gets pulled back. Which hey, I'm just going to give a little advice to our listeners at home. If you have a problem with a federal agent, and there are several other armed federal agents within line of sight, maybe don't try to attack him. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a big brain plan to steal his ID card. Maybe don't do that because you will get shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay, this next scene feels... Out of place because they haven't hunted down the monster yet. Uh, but he just sort of goes into a morgue somewhere where he meets up, uh, with, uh, what's his name? The inside guy. Uh, Bish, I think. Bish? Alright. Yeah. He's with Bish in some sort of morgue. Uh, and he's like taken apart. He's like doing an autopsy on the, uh, guy that that got killed in the, like, opening stuff. Uh, he is able to get in here because he has Burke's ID. So I, like, did he leave? Did, did he leave to go to a facility? I, I guess it's like a field autopsy facility and it's just, like, in the museum? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, What's the ID gonna do? Like, I get, like, maybe it can get through a key card. Like, he can open, like, a locked door with it. But, it it feels like this ID has more ability than it should. Uh, but anyways, this guy, uh, that Bish is taking apart, he is Agent James Pinkerton. Uh, he previously worked for Bureau 713, but went MIA 20 years ago. Uh, and then they, and then we find out there's something fused to his spinal cord. And he's like going into this body and they pulls out a big bug and they put bugs in him. Uh, they did put <laughs> bugs in him. And while he's doing this, it's, it's a lot of bug too. Uh, uh, so, as it turns out, Carnby also is getting a reading for Bug. 
Uh, yeah, he has bug in spine, but he fried it in power plant. Yeah. Uh, so th- they decide extracting it would be too risky because it could fuck up his spine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he seems okay. Yeah. Which, you know, you'd, you'd think this would be setting up a plot thread for later. No, yeah. it's just kind of like, hey, you got a bug. You want us to do anything about it? No. Yeah, like, it would make... I do kind of respect that, though. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. sometimes that's how it is. Sometimes you got, like, a health problem, and it's like, oh, I don't feel like checking that out. It's it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, uh, meanwhile, uh... Uh, Alicia runs into Hudgens again, who got here. He got, he got to shore a few hours ago. I do wonder just how far offshore this boat was. Uh, the passage of time is a little weird, but more importantly, he needs that artifact. Uh, uh, the, the, there's like a soldier here who's like, Watching Alicia. She shows up later. Uh, uh, and he like lies to Alicia saying that they found nothing. It was a big waste of time. Uh, it's, he's, it's normal and he's normal. Uh, let's see. Uh, then we, after like the scene of Carnby talking about the bug in him, uh, Hudgens is like, Okay, this this just raises further questions. Uh Hudgens has his own room somewhere. Well, I guess his office, and there's like a demon locked in a broom closet or something? It's got like a little cage thing. He installed a prison cell into his office. And he like gets something from it. And I think he injects a big serum of its of its blood into himself. I completely forgot about that entire sequence. It, like it's so weird. Like it, I, it's that sounds right. I I feel like I remember that, mm. but I have no fucking idea what any of it had to do with anything. Right. The main thing I remember is that Hudgens feeds fish one of the worms mm-hmm. because he was unaccompanied. Right. At night. Mm-hmm. Uh. Hudgens, er, sorry, uh, Bish gives a bit more lore, the demons are weak to osmium, iridium, platinum, gold, uh, they can disable electronics, they live in the dark because sunlight is lethal to them, so they have, so they use bullets that have stuff in them that makes them light? Well, I, I think the bullets have, um, the metals that fuck with them right right and then they just have flashlights set to a certain frequency or something Mm -hmm. uh carnby goes back to his hideout with a bit with a briefcase of weapons uh Mm -hmm. and he gives more exposition while stripping down to his jeans to go to sleep uh see the 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 uh bureau guys are doing some more investigating while uh Alicia goes to the warehouse. Now, I do have to admit I was a little confused because she wasn't wearing her glasses and her hair was down. I was, for a second, confused. But anyways. Uh, so, 
Car- uh, Bish meets up with Burke. Uh, they talk a bit more about, like, how Burke just sort of really, really hates Carnby for reasons? Mm-hmm. I don't know. if the- He just hates him. Yeah, and he demands that uh, Bish tell him, like, tell me everything you know about Carnby. And he's like, I don't know. We work together. He's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's after this scene where he gets got by Hudgens. Yeah, it is really funny to me that he uh, that like earlier on when he's like meeting with Carnby, he's like, if they find out I'm doing this, they're going to kill me. But all he gets is just like a little chewing out by 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 Burke. It's very it's very silly. He gets to go home. He's with his his uh nameless faceless wife. Uh, who's making dinner, but then she disappears, and he finds her, and she's dead. Uh, and then, uh, then Hudgens shows up and attacks him and stuffs a worm down his throat. Uh, I I guess he's enthralled. I don't know. Yeah, you know, the the worm gets his spine, Mm -hmm. and makes him obey Hudgens? I does he even for reasons sh- I'm increasingly unclear on? Yeah, does he even show up for the rest of the movie? I think he shows up in like one or two scenes. Mhm. Oh yeah, no, you know what he does later on he like suicide bombs a generator. Is I think what goes on with oh, him. Oh, okay, okay. Uh so uh Okay, hang on. We're about to get to a really good part of the movie again. Okay, okay. So, Oh, boy. Is this where it is? Yes, yes. Carnby and Cedric get back together. I think they're in Cedric's office. They're discussing the artifact. The lights start flickering again. And then a bunch of the infected orphans show up and start attacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Bureau 713 is pretty easily able to take them out. Uh, but then one of the big boy monsters shows up. Um, there's this brief chase where Carnby and Cedric, like, they aren't really dodging or going over anything. They're just kind of, like, jerking down normal, like, perfectly spacious hallways and pretending like it's tense. Mm -hmm. Uh, they eventually shoot the monster with the physical, with the special ammo and dies. And then we get this stupidest fucking (laughs) montage. It is nothing but muzzle flashes a looping submachine gun sound effect and the worst heavy metal in the world. I love this fucking bit. It's it is it, it's like watching a strobe light while you blast Metallica. <laughs> and then it's just over. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a non-action scene but like the 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 awful new metal almost music just really just puts it together in such a beautiful way. Uh, <laughs> this, you could just like make a scene of just this firing guns while the metal plays on loop. And I would just watch it for 10 minutes straight. Uh, yeah. Be a better movie. It would be. Uh, I I do also think it's really funny that they do just seem to be standing in place firing guns. Uh, so the bureau guys are sweeping the area. 
they get attacked by the orphanage people who are now full zombie. Uh, and we get some more action. We get a big action scene with them fighting. The Bureau guys are having a way harder time with 19 zombies than they were with, like, a dozen xenomorphs. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, like, Burke does, like, some martial arts stuff on one of them. Uh, <laughs> We do get some real goofy-looking blood and gore, which is... Judging by the two... Oh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Judging by the two Uwe Boll movies I've seen, uh, the other one being Blood Rain, mm-hmm. goofy-looking blood and gore is another one of the high points, if and when it shows up. Right. Uh, um, so, yeah, uh, Burke makes Carnby give him his ID back, and for the rest of the movie, they just sort of seem chill with each other, or just on the same yeah. side now. Uh, there is, they could have... I feel like they could have had, like, a bit where Carnby says, you need me to get through there, I have the key, or whatever. It's it's not really clear what the game plan is, just that they're going to a mine, they're going to, like, uh, this, uh, this Abkhani, uh, underground facility. There's just, like, two troops just giving, uh, exposition about this whole thing. Uh, yeah, my understanding is that Hudgens and Fish went missing during the chaos at the museum, and that they've traced like a paranormal signature coming from the mine. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if they leaned into the Indiana Jonesness, I'm sure there would be some kind of clues or foreshadowing. But instead, it's just like, oh, we found a signal. Let's go yeah. there. Uh, um, hey. <laughs> We we get to see them enter the mine. Uh, it's not creepy. It is wet. Mm-hmm. Um, they get to this area with like Abkhani glyphs, and then a trap door opens, oh, yes. and one of the generic bureau soldiers falls in. Mm-hmm. It's a video game spike pit. I love it. Yeah, like I uh, th- his name is Marco. We learn this in the scene where he dies mm-hmm. because he has not shown up until then, to my knowledge. Uh, so everybody, please pour one out for Marco. Mm-hmm. Gone but not forgotten. <laughs> I'm very entertained by these like perfectly round Mega Man video game spikes. Uh so meanwhile, like the Bureau guys are like setting up defenses. Uh the It's just really, really funny to me how shitty their costumes look. Like I understand not, not probably didn't have like a huge budget, but like it's just like foam vests and riot shields they never wear, put down. Uh, or mm-hmm. sorry, riot helmets. Uh, and also cool guns. It's, it's like in an XCOM campaign where like the player has, is just putting like their research into new weapons and not like anything use, any armor or anything. Uh, so, uh, yeah. The, they like set up a generator, but then the generator gets taken, taken out by, uh, fish, fish, uh, whatever. Uh, we also get a shot of like Hudgens watching the monsters go wild in a forest. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, uh, so 
like he has control over them, I guess. I guess. I it's again never really made clear how. Mm-hmm. Uh So uh what happens next? So yeah, uh Th- there's an Indiana Jones crushing trap. Yeah. They have which I think gets one of the nameless sh- soldiers but everybody else gets out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh and then they enter the Hall of Death, the only way out of which is death. Right. Uh, uh they they fight a bunch of the worm parasites. But it's a really stupid and goofy scene mm-hmm. because so it's a room with like a bunch of sand in it and the parasites are burrowing through the sand. So they're just like kind of aiming at the ground and shooting at moving bulges. Yeah. Like a cat under a comforter or something. <laughs> it Honestly, this is probably the closest this gets to the original Alone in the Dark games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh there is, it feels, there's zero tension to this scene, too. They're, like, yes, the the lady from earlier is the one getting hurt and she dies. But, like, I don't know. It it honestly just looks like they're having a very bad time aiming. Uh, uh, also, around this time is, like, the other plot line where the generator goes out and the... The troops topside have to hold the line while, while, uh, zombie, or while, uh, uh, monsters attack them. Uh, it's not much to say. It, it weirdly makes me think of, well, never mind, never mind. No, I'm curious. Okay, so, the, they feel very incompetent and ineffectual. It, it, it feels, I don't know. I feel like they should be more intimidating if you want to make them compelling. They just seem like a bunch of losers with the worst budget possible. And it weirdly reminds me of these old 40k memes about, like, how the Imperial Guard is just, like, armed with, like, flashlights and t-shirts. Uh, but anyways, uh, so... Uh, we get some stuff where, like, these last two stragglers are, like, trying to survive. They both die. Uh, but meanwhile, in the, uh, plot side of the, uh, these scenes, uh, the underground crew find, uh, a brick wall, uh, mysteriously amongst all of these, like, ancient tunnels so they blow it up uh the and it turns out this leads to what looks like some sort of hospital room full of child-sized beds uh and they look at the beds and one of the names says Carnby uh-oh uh yeah, and, and this is played like a twist, even though we've had we already knew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even like even outside of the opening crawl, we already knew that he was experimenting on these kids. Mm-hmm. We already knew that Carnby was one of these kids. We already knew that Carnby has a worm in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, 
I don't know why they're playing this like a revelation. Right. And then Hudgens shows up with a gun. He shoots the last remaining uh, nameless soldier. Uh, and it's... And he's like... Forcing them to like... He's like, give me the key. And... Yeah, so it it turns out that the artifact they have is a key to some kind of door. Mm. They were actually thinking about opening it itself in case it provides the answers to questions that Carnby has had his whole life. I don't know what those are. I feel like it's pretty clear what's going on with Carnby. It's not like he's an alien or a monster. He's just a kid. Well, he's an adult now, but you get it. His life is still a nightmare. Um, uh yeah so so they were just gonna leave then Hudson's like no give me the key i'm gonna open it um there's this bit where like he's fiddling with the door and burke kills him with a throwing knife while his back is turned but it's too late the door is opening behind it is a nest from the bottom of the cavern to the top of it teeming with monsters and it's at this point that i ask myself did House of Ashes, the most recent installment of the Dark Pictures anthology, rip off the plot of Alone in the Dark 2005 <laughs> and just do it more competently? <laughs> I, I mean... it It is a story about tapeworms that turn you into a monster that were involved in the downfall of an ancient civilization... If you get parasitized by them, you are vulnerable to certain frequencies of light, and it has a nest that looks like exactly like this. Oh my but... god! I on one what? hand, I on one hand, I could say I feel like this sort of story is like emblematic of military sci-fi. Uh, sure, like both of them are probably drawing a lot of inspiration from again Alien, right? In particular, but on the other hand, and, you know, I think stories. it's really funny to say. House of Ashes ripped off Alone in the Dark 2005 film. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so, it's full of monsters. Uh, they need to shut the door. Uh, so, I guess the game plan from here is uh, Carnby and Alicia go and escape. Uh, mm-hmm. Burke stays behind so he can set off a bomb, uh, blow up the cavern, or at least collapse the tunnel. Yeah. Uh, and they do this, uh, Carnby and Alicia es- escape, and it turns out that, uh, their exit leads right to the orphanage where Carnby yeah. grew up. Uh, we also get a huge tunnel full of fire, and we do get a shot of Burke seemingly still alive. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> Maybe he's going to show up in the sequel. By the way, there's a sequel to this. There is a sequel to this. I don't know why. Uh-huh. Um, so the nun, by the way, mm-hmm. is dead, presumably mauled by a monster. I don't care. I, I want to talk about a narrative theory I have. Uh-huh. I developed this theory uh, after playing Fallout 4 and being like, I don't care about this baby. Why would I care about this baby? I spend no time with this baby. Uh, and, and basically, it is, 
you cannot care about a character that you do not know. Mm-hmm. You need to spend time with them. You need to be made to understand what their deal is. And only then can you give a shit when something bad happens to them. Or you find out about their backstory or whatever. Mm-hmm. This nun was in three scenes, and in one of them, she's just helping a guy do a really awful crime. So I don't know why I'm supposed to care. Right. It's really weird, because he even does, like, a sort of, like, formal closing the eyes to show respect. Uh, Yeah. So, now, they walk around town. The city has been evacuated, question mark? Or maybe, just maybe, there's no more people left. And then... But there's no corpses. There's no corpses either. Like, it's just empty. It looks like the fucking rapture happened. Yeah. Uh, And and they're just, like, wandering around like, Well, what the hell happened here? And our final shot is... We hear a more monster growling... And a shaky cam zooms in really fast, as if a monster was attacking them. And then we get credits. So this is basically the same ending as Resident Evil, but shittier. Yeah, this is this is a shittier version of Resident Evil. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Uh, hmm... Uh, we get credits set to really bad metal. Uh, well, entertainingly bad metal, at least. Uh, and I see York Tittle's name and I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, and that's the end of the movie. Uh, so how would you rank this as an adaptation? And how would you rank this overall film quality? So as an adaptation, like, zero out of five. Right. Look, I, I, I have not played um, the 2001 entry of the series. I can't speak to what the plot of that was like. My understanding is that the Ibkani are, like, very tangentially involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but may not have anything to do with, like, what their role in this story is. Right. excuse me but more to the point like it doesn't even remotely achieve the feel of an alone in the dark game like these are some of the og survival horror games and my understanding is that for all the changes the reboots have made they are still attempting to be horror games this isn't really a horror movie. I don't know what this movie wants. To, I mean, I know what this movie wants to be. Alien, but also, a, like, Alien, but also a detective noir, but also a martial arts movie, but also Indiana Jones. It, but, none of that is what Alone in the Dark is. Right. You, there is no reason this needs to be an Alone in the Dark adaptation. In any respect. Mm-hmm. And you you contrast that with something like the Super Mario Brothers movie. Obviously, a lot of creative liberties taken there. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they were at least taking those liberties 
with thematic elements that were present in the source material, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there is a man named Mario, there is a man named Luigi. They have a familial bond that the movie spends time exploring and developing. Um, you know, they got all these little nods to the original games. So I feel like Alone in the Dark just functionally is not an adaptation. Right. There is nothing here that could not be from literally anything else, Mm. as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, So, as an adaptation, 0 out of 5... As a movie on its own, I'm still sort of going back and forth between one or two mysterious glyphs out of five. Right, right. Uh, so, I'm going to have to agree with you on the adaptation. You made a very compelling explanation on your thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. I I do want to give this... Uh, hmm, uh, whatever... A little less than whatever I gave Resident Evil. Let me make sure I know it. Uh, I think I gave it... I gave Resident Evil 4 out of 5 as a film. Because it's fun, it's entertaining, and... it It's not necessarily good, but it's entertaining. And I have similar thoughts about Alone in the Dark. Like, I don't think it's as compelling or fun or entertaining as Resident Evil... So I want to give it three out of five. I would say mm. if you've got friends and you like like to watch bad movies together, uh, this is this is a good pick if you're looking for something. Uh, in any other context, I would say you don't need to watch this film. It is not the worst movie ever made, but it's it could do a whole lot better. Uh. Uh, yeah. Those are just my sort of general thoughts. Uh, yep. Let me. Uh, do we have any questions? Yeah, let me real quick check. I know we've got some on Discord. Let me make sure. Let me see if there's any on Twitter. Uh, it looks. Nope, nothing on Twitter. Uh, that Twitter, by the way, is at VGTMTP. Yeah. In case you want to send us questions next yeah. time. Yeah. S- send in your questions. They're. It's, it's great. Uh, so, uh, okay, let me just make sure, uh, uh, where's the server? I have, I have entirely too many servers that I'm in, and I lose track very easily. Uh, okay, uh, so, here's our first, we've got a couple questions. Uh, first set of questions come from Kitty Cat Herder, uh, Violet, a friend of the show. Uh, first question is, could you fight off a demon invasion with an axe? Uh, I mean, how, how cool is the axe? Hmm. Let's go with, hmm. That's a good question. Um, let's say our axe is just Alicia. Uh, oh X! Sorry, I thought you were like, I like a like a battle axe uh, or like a fireman's. Okay, no, with an. Mm, ooh, 
Depends on the X. Yep. Uh, I could do it if it was with Alicia, I guess. Um, I I don't have. I've I've never had a partner. I can't answer this compellingly. Uh, what about stopping pirate zombie bootleggers? Uh, oh, okay. No, I remember that one. That one's uh, Alone in the Dark too. Oh, they. <sighs> Here's the thing. The pirate zombie bootleggers from that one, I think were also involved with the Confederacy at one mm-hmm. point. So I feel like I would have to, or I'd just kind of like, I, I'd lose any anti-racist cred I have, and I can't let that happen. Right, right. I, I spend so much time just wanting to like, fight shitheads mm-hmm. and i can't for a myriad of reasons but if they're zombies you know who's gonna who's gonna complain right right uh or the cowboy zombies from alone in the dark three the cowboy zombies would ruin me mm-hmm. i can't i cannot fight a cowboy right uh wait maybe a cowboy zombies were the racist ones they'd still kill me I'm I'm more scared of cowboys than pirates. Interesting. I I can't remember my Alone in the Dark lore. It's been a while. I've, there were definitely I I kind of half watched like a friend play at one time. I don't know much about Alone in the Dark. At least one of those games, the antagonist or antagonists were involved with the Confederacy mm-hmm. in life or in online. Right. Uh. The only thing I vividly remember is are just how incredibly foppish Carnby looks in the first game. And there's like a section where you play as like a little kid and their walking animation is like a playful skip. Uh, Mm. Let's see. You can dress as Santa in one of them. I think that's the pirate one. Mm -hmm. I want to say it's Alone in the Dark 2 yeah. where Santa, but I could be completely wrong. I also know that Alone in the Dark 2008 had an inventory system where you opened up your jacket and fished through the pockets. And I think that's very fun. If It's very fun and experimental. Uh, so, let's see. Dark Wizard James Mason asks, Since Lotak is in hell now, do you think he's stuck... In the original Alone in the Dark House. And I gotta say, no, he's stuck in the Doom House. The Doom House? Yeah, a Doom House. Uh, I, I feel like... Knowing, knowing him, I feel like being trapped in one of the few things he made that people enjoyed and respected... Would be not be much of a punishment, right? Uh, I did read a p- Twitter post from that night where someone said that like all of the people who died in that one thing, in like the was it? I don't know, like an air- airplane threat or something. They're all there, ready to greet him. Uh, uh. So yeah, I imagine low taxes hell has to something to do with like. Other other goons that have died, uh, either directly or indirectly because of the forums. Uh, so, uh, 
Casey Cosmos asks, What's your impromptu weapon of choice when you have to fight for your life in a museum? I mean, I feel like if you're in a museum, strong chance that you can just find an actual weapon. Mm -hmm. But if not, I'll probably enjoy beating the hell out of somebody with one of them replica dinosaur bones. Oh, that would be dope. Um, hmm. Yeah, let, so if I can't find an antique sword, hmm, ooh, I'm thinking, oh, I can't, I can't think of, oh, shit, um, yeah, I can't think of anything really fun. Maybe like, oh, I know, I'll, I'll fight someone with like a bust and use it as a melee weapon. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, let's see. Sidmon asks, how's it compared to the god-awful remake g game? Uh, I, d I don't actually know shit about yeah. the remake, besides that you have the jacket thing and you can make Molotovs. Right. I, I, I wish I could tell you. Uh. I, I, I'll tell you what. Pretty sure that remake game had more darkness yeah, in it. Yeah, I think that's. And more being alone. It's called Alone in the Dark. Practically nobody's ever alone. And it's not that dark. Yeah. Like, the easiest fucking thing in the world, you know? Yeah, it's. It's, there's like one scene with a fucking security guard and that's it. Uh, let's see. Uh, our next question, uh, from Hornmeister, who, who asks, would you endorse an Alone in the Dark at the Museum crossover movie? I imagine it to play out somewhat like Alien vs. Predator. Uh, I, I have, I only know Night of, at the Museum through memes, but, uh, sure, yeah. Uh, get some alien, get some weird monster demons to fight, uh, uh, miniature people shape, fight a bunch of miniature men, I don't know. Uh, get- Okay, hang on, hang on. Mm -hmm. Hear me out. Yes. So there's the, there's the exhibits, which are mostly dioramas and replicas, but also there's real ghosts and zombies. Uh-huh. And you're having the ghosts and zombies fight the replicas of themselves. Oh, fuck, that rules. I don't know how the mummy fits into it, because I feel like that could be the wild card. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're the tweener. Uh... Yeah. Okay. I think that's all our questions. We've done all that stuff. So, uh, real quick, gonna talk about next month's movie. Now, I am a little worried that, that my potential guests, I might have to talk with some of my guests, my potential guests a bit because, uh, I'm not sure if one of them's like in a situation where, where they finish, they, they recently moved and I don't know if they finished setting up everything. For them to record. But it, but, and, but, uh, whoever is on ne next episode, um, we're doing a movie in December, and 
let me sit. Let me let you in on something. Did you know that almost Christmas means it wasn't Christmas? I did know this. Wow. Um. So we're talking about the Phoenix Wright movie. Uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm real. I'm looking forward to it. It's. I'm really excited about the Phoenix Wright movie because it makes a costuming decision that I wish more things did, which is make it look exactly like the source material, no matter how stupid it looks in real life. Uh, I respect I, that. I love committing to the bit like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, until next time, uh, I'm Dan. I'm Maxie. Uh, and, uh, let, let's do some plugs. I'm sorry, I should have said that, phrased that a little oh, differently. Oh, yes, we should. Yeah, so, uh, so, uh, plugs. I'm Dan. You can find me at a lot of places, and you can find all those places at linktr.ee slash big underscore challenges. Uh, from there you can find my Twitter. You can find my other podcasts, which include Pod of Greed, a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, uh, we started on season three. Uh, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you will be able to listen to our first ever, well, not a first ever, you're, you'll be able to listen to our very recently recorded, uh, bonus episode on Despicable Me 3 for our, uh, side series, uh, Grugio. Uh, you can listen to the Sonic Shuffle, a Sonic Lore podcast, uh, our next recording, uh, by the time this goes up, well, our next recording is going to be a special episode 69 fanfic, uh, episode. So we asked our listeners to, uh, write fanfics and send them to us, and we got some results, and we're gonna read them on air. We'll probably also talk about, I don't know, shipping or something, I don't know. Uh, you can listen to uh the completed and fully listenable uh Chill Bleed. It's an ill bleed podcast. And the inactive but hopefully going to update soon, Strangers Fiction, uh an actual play podcast focused on one shots. Uh and last but not least, you can visit at Xbox underscore holiday where Usher celebrates holidays with Xbox. Uh, Happy Hanukkah, Xbox. Happy Hanukkah, Xbox. Uh, Maxie, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Max Knightley. That's M-A-X. Can I... No. Let me try that one again. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Max Knightley. That's M-A-X-K-N-I-G-H-T-L-E-Y. And I'm also on the podcast Eidolon Playtest. That is an actual play podcast uh, where me and a bunch of friends are playtesting a tabletop RPG that draws inspiration from Persona and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It is a bunch of super-powered criminals and students getting into trouble and trying... Very hard to dig themselves out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And 
We're on Noise Space. That's Noise dot X Y Z. That because we're run by a Canadian, uh, and he insists we we say it their way. Uh, we've got lots of different podcasts. Uh, some recent ones that have started up include uh, uh, Digimon Ghost Games about the new Digimon anime, Digimon Ghost Game. Uh, some good friends of mine are on that one. Uh, you can listen. The another new one is uh, Prime Cuts, which is a Transformers podcast, uh, at where they just sort of read through ver. They go through it in a non-linear order, uh, just picking out some of the best ones. Uh, you can listen to all sorts of other podcasts like uh. Nightmare and Era, Creepypasta Podcast. Oh, you can listen to Kamurocho Radio, which I recently recorded an episode on. Hasn't gone up yet as of the recording, but maybe by the time this is published. Uh, there's Kyle XY, question mark, which is about Kyle XY. They finished talking about the show, so now they're doing, now they're reading a season four fanfic. Uh, let's see, uh, Fear Baiting, it's about horror movies. Uh, uh, Stick, it's about Homestar Runner. Slappers Only, it's about video game music. And so on. Uh, and what you can find us at VGTMTP on Twitter. And from there you can find our Discord. And until next time, I'm Dan. I'm Maxie. And this ain't no game.